A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. World Game Changers, hello and a very warm welcome to this podcast episode where today I am joined by a returning guest from the United States of America, none less than Matteo Palomari. Matteo, very, very warm welcome to you, sir. Thank you so much for having me again, Paul, and uh, thank you for all you listeners for indulging us. So, listeners, what we thought we'd do here, we'd really go all over the dance floor around, uh, well, let's just use the umbrella title word of relationships and we thought we'd single out four particular aspects of of relationships uh, and as is the way listeners we have got a clue where this is going to go so hang on to your hats Matteo let's get this show on the road ready to go brother right so relationships if I threw that word at you Matteo what I mean you know get get the show on the road here where do we start with that one single word well, uh, relationships is to connect. So how do you relate? And how do you relate is uh, ultimately a subjective experience for everybody. So we all relate to different people in different ways, depending on you know the energy that uh, we are presented with or the energy that we present. Very, very solid foundation, I think, listeners, to, to start to build upon. Matteo, am I being oversimplistic here? Because I'm using the, the human, you know, we love to create mind models, don't we? We like to put things in nice, tidy boxes as humans. You know, love, for example, you know, a constituent part of relationships. But, you know, am I oversimplifying it to say that maybe, just maybe, there's four key areas that we could focus on as part of creating this mind model, this nice and convenient way of being for, for us humans. Um, so before I go into those four, any thoughts around that, Matteo? Well, no question there, because as, uh, and you and I went upon this uh, in our last discussion, simplicity is the essence of genius in my humble opinion. So I'm speaking to a genius. So that's always a good thing. And um, it is ultimately, in my humble opinion, uh, how we define reality within ourselves. And it's unique to each individual based on their experience and the inner work that, that we have done, if we've done any. Mm. Okay, so let's, let's start to unpick this. Uh, let's start to unpick this or peel back the onion layers then, listeners. And what I'd like to offer, Matteo, in terms of the four levels, is a general love. Whatever general means. I mean, that's kind of layering in, arguably, a bit of confusion on a bit of confusion. Because isn't love confusing? You know, apparently, this song's written along the lines of love hurts. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But that's not the focus here. So general love. What would general love mean to you as two simple words, Matteo? Well, for me... Uh... I agree with the complexity, but it also ties in with what we're talking about simplicity, because um, in my experience, the more I have gone toward 
general love for the, for the term we're using at the moment, the more I have uh, become, for lack of better words, more peaceful and zen-like. And it seems like the, the closer I get to the center, so to speak, the less real uh, passion, emotion um, is there. It, it gets, it, 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 when I first started to really tap into that energetic place, it was kind of scary. Um, and I did feel lost for a while until I figured out what was going on. So the, the closer you get to the center, um, the more calm there is. Um, if, you, if you think of something as simple as uh, spinning like an orbit of a planet or, or something spinning, the further from the center you are, the faster you're spinning. And of course, the closer you get to the center, the less you're spinning. And ideally at the exact center, which is somewhat indefinable, there's, there would be no movement. So from this, if we imagine a triangle, you know, I'm working on this, this mind model theme, Matteo, to try and, for, you know, to help with the visualization. And I understand that, you know, some of our listeners, a uh, bit of a paradox here, some of our listeners may not be visual. Well, the clues in the fact that we're on a listening platform called a podcast. But that's not to say we can't be visual. But try and visualize, if you can, a triangle chopped into four equal parts. And the way I see this at the bottom on the base is this general theme, this general love. So, you know, the broad base of love, family, friends, pets, environment, whatever. The key word being general. The next level up is what I would call romantic love. What we as humans, you know, our partner, our loved ones, um, our spouse, you know, whatever label seems relevant. The next level up from that then is love of self. And the highest one at the apex is the S for source. We dig into those uh, latter three. Matteo, any thoughts around that as a concept? Yeah, it's interesting for you to put it that way because um, if you, if I, I, I can conceptualize it both ways. And so if you uh, take that triangle and then you turn it upside down and put it on the other one, you have what's more commonly known as the, uh, the Star of David. Um, it's also, if you're getting into three-dimensional form, it's uh, an octahedron, which is basically two pyramids uh, with the, sharing the same base, one going up and one going down. So in, in my experience, if you think about the, just start with the simple base of the triangle, it's the most uh, all-encompassing. It carries the most. And of course, the more you go toward uh, the point at the top, um, you, you, it also could be considered an infinity point. And, and in many respects, it becomes more definable. So you could say that that point goes back to source. And you and I discussed before about the point having no dimension and sort of, for lack of better words, the beginning of three dimensionals as we know it. And then, and then you go back to source. And if you think about going from there back out again into another pyramid, um, you're going back from source through those expressions. So it kind of it goes both ways. And I always think of these things, these geometries um, as being dynamic. You know, they're always, they're, they're, they're moving. They're not really solid. And it kind of reinforces the point, does it not? That even in the simplicity of 
creating that that so-called mind model, it actually got quite complicated, isn't it? You know, when we try and harness something as natural, as powerful, and as beautiful as love into convenient little boxes, or in this case, triangles, kind of doesn't work, does it? Because love isn't something to be put in a nice convenient box. No, you know, the, the source is obviously incomprehensible because we can't really grasp the, the in, infinite aspects of it. But as humans and trying to, to understand our reality and define it, we take what we conceptualize within our minds and then we project it onto the external world and uh, to try to make sense of it, which is you know how we try to function. But it really is incomprehensible. So that pales in comparison to the, the greater reality of it. Um, some years ago, I walked into a uh, spiritual bookstore and I walked in on a lecture from, from this in Indian kind of Swami guy. I, forgive me because I can't remember his name. But he started off and he said, um, you know, you have asked me here to come and speak of God. But as soon as I open my mouth, I'm lying because my words can't grasp or comprehend the greatness of all that is. So it's a wonderful paradox, which is one of my favorite words and favorite things to contemplate. Mm. It is. I love that word paradox. Me too. I, I absolutely love it. Listeners, you know, when we talk about, you know, the things that um, make no sense, but are very sensical. I mean, that's a paradoxical statement in itself, isn't it? Yeah, just like just like words like military intelligence, right? <laughs> I'm not going there on that one, Mateo, but I, uh, I, yeah. I, I privately take your point. In fact, I take your point full stop. Um, I, anyway. I stole that from George Carlin, by the way. <laughs> uh, moving swiftly on, diplomatically. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this, this whole concept of love and relationships, I mean, yeah, again, is it as simplistic as being? Because this, this mind model concept, Matteo, is that need for human certainty, isn't it? That first human need, certainty. I want to know what's going on, and I want to control it, and I want to make sense of it. Because if I don't, it introduces something into my world that, that actually probably dominates already. It's called fear. The only way to conquer fear is to, for me to, or to think I can make sense of it by putting it in some neat and tidy box. And I suppose the antidote to certainty is the second human need of uncertainty or variety. But that can be a scary place, Matteo, can't it, where love's concerned? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's what I've experienced in the jungle um, working with ayahuasca because, the, well, you know, I think we had talked before briefly about Gurji, and there are three energetic bodies, uh, intellectual, emotional, and moving. And... Uh, Ayahuasca, the ayahuasca experience is a non-rational experience. It kind of combines all those energies in different ways. So the people who I have seen struggle the most with it are those who are called intellectually centered because uh, as you so eloquently said uh, just a bit ago, we try to control our realities with our minds and how we think and how we conceptualize. And so if you have somebody who has done that, their whole life is their way of coping with the world. 
which I was inclined to be um, in my younger days, they're that way and they're suddenly presented with a situation that does not fit that model. And they have no strategies uh, to fall back on to cope with the way they used to. Whatever they used to use or do no longer works anymore. Then they go into to massive fear and panic because it's unprecedented and they literally don't know how to act and how to respond. So just give me those three again, Mateo, intellect. Yeah. So this, this is, uh, follows the, the teachings of Gurdjieff, and it's also throughout shamanism and ancient Egyptian thought and everything else. So there's uh, three energetic bodies. There is the intellectual body, the moving body, and the emotional body. And in Inca and pre-Inca traditions, they're represented by the three worlds. So the upper world um, is the emotional body, which is represented by the condor and the color pink, which is love to represent emotion. And then the middle body is represented by the jaguar or the puma, which is an electric blue, and that's power. And the lower world is represented by the serpent, which is gold, uh, which is uh, wisdom. So there's love, power, wisdom, truth, love, and energy, uh, but there are three different types of energy. And one of the paths of shamanism is to try to master those and bring them into balance because most of us are out of balance with them. Mm. Fascinating. I mean, who'd have thought, listeners, that a simple four-letter word like love could evoke such a very diverse conversation, a deep conversation in many respects. But, you know, yet again, the simplicity. And I say simplicity, I'm, I'm, you know, if we could just allow it to be and accept and, you know, for what is, rather than trying to fathom it out, rationalize it, intellectualize it, make sense of it, call it what you will. Because isn't it true, Matteo? Um, and I offer this, although I say, isn't it as true? I offer it as a, a sort of a, a question rather than a statement that life, I know, yeah, again, we touched upon this previously. Life's a very simple game. Love is a very simple way of being. Isn't it who we naturally are at our source? Does it, do we unlearn that from an early age, how to be love that we naturally are? And then we go then in later years, if we're lucky, and I put that big caveat on it, if we're lucky to kind of then unlearn the unlearning. Amen. I always like to say we learn how to be stupid. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it, Getting back to the whole thing of, uh, of being heart-centered and, and what Gurdjieff uh, has, has taught is that um, we come into the world as essence. And essence is from source. And essence is, is another word for spirit. So we come into the world as essence, being heart-centered. We're emotionally centered. Um, we're absolute tyrants because um, we demand and we need total support where we come in pretty much helpless. And we come in with an abandonment wound because we've been abandoned from that deep, warm, loving connection with mom. So we come in to the world being essence-centered. And then what the first thing we do is we, we observe the world around us and we observe the strategies of those around us and we develop a personality as a tool to function within the world. So what do we learn from? We learn from our parents, our brothers, our sisters. And so whatever wounds they may carry, uh, we inherited and whatever strategies they use, which have been passed on for generations and generations and generations, 
we take those on ourselves to learn to, to cope with uh, situations. And of course, initially that may work, but as we grow older, we lose that. Uh, and then we do such a good job of creating our personality or personalities, as I'm fond of saying about myself, I'm a cast of thousands. Um, we develop those personalities and they become so great at functioning and coping with, coping with us, for us, that um, we start to believe that we are, are indeed our personalities, but in truth, we are the creators of our personalities. So the, the path back to source is to go back from being personality-centered to being essence-centered, and being essence-centered is heart. And heart, as uh, you and I discussed before, heart is the center of our personal universe, back to the one in our solar system, all the way back to source. So it goes from being head-centered to heart-centered, which you know could sound like a bit of a cliche, but um, that's sort of uh, the pathway home, is, is through that, back through the heart, and then listening to your heart, or as they, they have said in the Bible, that still small voice within, and understanding the depth of the feeling and emotion that's there that transcends, you know, uh, pure logic. Mm. You've been involved, Mateo, have you not, in writing not an insignificant number of books. Um, do any of them specifically single out love, or does love actually run through the old the old essence of what you write about? Because if I can just be allowed to almost semi-answer my own question, just getting <laughs> to know you, I feel um, that they do. So I'm kind of putting my neck out here, listeners, and saying this, this beautiful spirit that I've come to know, that I've actually probably known all my life, but didn't know that. So when we talk about complexity, here's the rationalization trying to come in. But let's so keep it really simple. So I'm going to venture that what you write about, and in, you know, in your quite a few, I think it's fair to say, Matteo, you've written quite a bit of stuff. You know, you were, um, you've done quite a bit of stuff. We've not really dug down on that. So this probably doesn't make a lot of sense, listeners. So I'm going to invite Matteo in to give us a broad overview of some of the stuff he's, you know, that he's been involved in creating then my kind of line of thought here might make a bit more sense. Do you want to take a couple of minutes uh, to share that, Matteo? Sure. It's an opportunity to plug myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm hard at work on my 16th book. Um, I like to say that shamanism underlies it all, but this path that I've been on um, has brought me into shamanism. And in the beginning, the stuff I was writing was different from other people. And um, some of the first stuff I wrote was horror. And um, I realized in retrospect, without being fully aware of it, that I was actually writing about the human shadow. And I'm very happy to say that all of the monsters that I've written about in my, mostly my shorter work, although some of the longer stuff has it with the fiction, um, the, the monsters have all been human, which gives me some gratification. As I've advanced, um, forward and part of that writing and all that for me was facing fear and when I've gone into the jungle and done all this work with the uh, plants you know particularly ayahuasca but all the other ones um, over a 20-year period it's all about facing fear because fear has uh, a gift 
and the, and the light is on the other side of the darkness. Now, th there's common sense fear. I'm not going to jump out in front of a car because I'm fearless. And if somebody stuck a gun to my head, I guarantee you I would be scared. But I mean, otherwise, generally speaking, I've become fearless because I look to the dark for the answers because the darkness that lies within ourselves is there for a reason. And it's usually for a protective mechanism that we have created. And so those aspects of ourselves that we consider to be unacceptable um, or society may consider to be uh, unacceptable lies within the shadow, which is the parts of ourselves that we deny. So my path has been digging down into the subconscious depths of darkness to find out what is it that drives me and what is it, why do I fear things and, and where does the fear come from? And, and I've had some amazing discoveries and I've gone through some truly horrific and terrifying experiences um, in order to discover that. But you, you have to learn and you have to grasp both the light and the dark. You can't say, I just want to see the light all the time because you're missing out and you can't have one without the other. And they are actually complementary. And they're, they're just two sides of the same pole. They're, if, you, if you can resolve the light and the dark, then you have solved the paradox. And therein comes the gift of, of uh, for lack of better words, enlightenment, not full enlightenment. Nobody's fully enlightened. Nobody ever will be because the path is infinite. But to, to come to that and to realize that it, if you're moving toward the center, then you really need to have the same sort of objectivity to both the light and the dark, because the, the more dark there is, the brighter the light is and vice versa. And then um, I'll, I'll add one more thought and then you can jump in again there. But I was told years ago that my purpose was, was to bring the darkness into the light if there's too much light. And then if it's too dark, my purpose is to bring the light into the darkness. And so some years ago, I got invited to do a reading. It was a, a performance thing. And there were like some beautiful, love is powerful poets and flowers and this and love poems and love songs. And after a while, it started to get to me. So I got up and I read a horror story and, uh, and totally shifted the energy. And when it was over, a whole bunch of people came up to me and thanked me for doing that. So, you know, th there's common sense and there's limits on what to do, but I'm always trying to find the balance. And, and if you can resolve the paradox, you're heading toward the center and you're heading toward the balance. Brings us nicely in, listeners, to the subject of labels. Just listening to Matteo there, I had a wry smile. Um, <laughs> he gave me um, a label when we first sort of spoke off of it, well, we spoke, first spoke for the first time. And I'll hold that back for a moment. But as you were speaking there, Matteo, a label came to mind. The juggler or the balancer. That's what came to mind. And this is, now this is ironic, listeners, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, you've heard me say with guests, very diverse guests that we've had on this podcast, um, totally nearly 400 episodes now, about my own personal disdain for labels. Yet here I am attributing a label to, to our guest here. Now, isn't that interesting? But I think it's a question of awareness, Matteo, is it not? To say that, you know, yeah, again, this is paradoxical, isn't it? To say we might not like labels, we might, you know, reject them, but so long as we know what value they have or what meaning they have in our world, 
we can actually then play with them. I think it's when we come from a place of darkness and then use those labels in a very sometimes harmful derogatory sense. I think once you've got a, an awareness of the bigger picture of what labels are or, or aren't for that case, you can actually then paradoxically play with them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know, labels are an attempt to define things. And when they come across as derogatory um, and mean-spirited, it, it's, that comes from fear. And anger is definitely, anger is a response to fear. So when you get those things, and trust me, I've been called lots of things, and a lot of them aren't always nice. <laughs> but um, when you get that, you realize it comes from fear and ignorance. And if people don't um, understand something and can't grasp it, then they respond in that way. But it's interesting because when you get into labels and stereotypes, you also are tapping into archetypes. And mm. archetypes are bigger concepts to, to try to define something. So in our efforts to try to understand who and what we are and what's going on in this world around us, um, we uh, often put labels on there. And even though some of them are stereotypical, they're there to help put uh, a definition on something and you know to understand it and grasp it. And when you think about archetypes and bigger concepts, archetypes tie in with uh, metaphors. And metaphors, just as a reminder for everybody who's not a word freak like me, metaphors, you know, one thing that relates to another to help to grasp a concept. So you could say something like, um, you know, oh man, that was as bright as the sun. Well, everybody knows what that is. So if I was trying to talk about arguments say, I always use bad metaphors when I'm when I'm explaining something. But if I was talking about the reflection off of the water, say, I can say it was bright as the sun. Well, I'm talking about the water, but I'm using the sun, which is a major archetype and brightness. And in one respect, bright and sun have nothing to do with water. But if I say the reflection off the water was as bright as the sun, everybody will get it because they know what it's like to be bright as the sun, if, if that makes any sense. It does indeed. And, I, you know, there's a great point that's emerging here listeners for me, I don't know how it's landing with you, Matteo, that the more we could engage in a kind of, I want to play devil's advocate to touch it, an academic, a theoretically based conversation, and we can dig down and, you know, even to the point, and I know in psychology, some people actually use this model, or use this model, where they deliberately confuse the client, because there's these merits in that. But does it lead us to a place then where you just think you get to a stage in your life where you think I'm fed up of listening to this to myself to listening to this rationalization this so-called in intellectualization this justification call it what you will do you know what why don't I just let it be well you know it's the monkey mind and it's never going to shut up so for me personally I listen and I gauge what it energetically feels like. And if I know it has a particular kind of energy and I know it's bad, I've been doing this long enough uh, to just say, all right, shut up and go to your room. I'm done listening to you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in my humble opinion, it's what's called mindfulness um, and it's awareness. And this whole path of uh, personal growth and search and, and shamanism and all that is about expanding awareness. So, the thoughts are going to be there and and we all have to realize that those sub personalities uh, my cast of thousands or whatever 
we've all created those for a reason, for coping mechanisms. And we are the creator gods and goddesses of those creations. So it's, uh, and they're doing a really good job of trying to protect us because that's why we did it. So when we start to understand what they are, um, I always love to say, which I got this from a personal coach years ago, all we really have to do is, is give them a new job because we created them. And if we make sure that we recognize the value that they hold for us and how sincere they are about really trying to protect us, even though they may be totally wrong, the more we acknowledge them, the more they love us back and the more things that used to make us crazy and set us off with emotional charges, they begin to diminish because we start to see the bigger picture and we're not uh, caught up in it. And in my experience, the more I've done this with myself with particular aspects, the more I see it reflected back to me in the world around me from the people who surround me, uh, you being one of them. Uh, you and I have a great connection. We have, a, we have a, a aspects of ourselves that are totally in sync and we're we use different words and different expressions, but we're ultimately in the end, when everything's said and done, we're saying the same things. Mm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So before I invite you in, uh, well, well, by way of bringing things to a close, Matteo, um, okay. I just want to ask you to share your contact details, how listeners can find out more about you, reach out to you, connect with you, whatever. Thank you. Okay, so um, mattpalamary.com, so M-A-T-T-P-A-L-L-A-M as in Mary, A-R-Y.com is my website. They go there, they'll find lots of stuff, lots of lectures, podcasts, video, audio, things of that nature, and there's a contact form. So if they go there and if they, if they want to connect more, they can add to the contact form and um, it'll email me and then we can connect. And then I'm also on you know, Facebook and LinkedIn. I know Paul, you and I have connected on LinkedIn there and Facebook mm. too, for that matter. And a, a bunch of other social media sites. But all you have to do is Google my name. And the first thing that comes up is my website. And then of course I'm on Amazon and, and all those other places too. Mm. Okay. Those as other listeners, those contact details will be in uh, Matt's show notes. So the big question as we draw towards a close then on this particular fascinating conversation and uh, podcast dance, Matteo, is this. A question I often get asked is this. What's the difference between awareness and consciousness? I would say that there's not really a difference. I would say that awareness is the expansion of consciousness. And the more conscious you become, the more aware you become. And of course, the more aware you become, the more you see, and this is called the power path in shamanism. So the more consciously aware you become, the greater the responsibility. And, and, and the, the more important that integrity becomes. And integrity should be rule number one anyway, regardless, because if you are consciously aware of things and then you go against that and do something not good or unconscious, the greater uh, the consequences, the greater the price you have to pay. So conscious the, the definition of, of conscious awareness um, is a, a expanding consciousness awareness is expanding consciousness so the more you work on expanding your consciousness in whatever ways and there are numerous ways some with with substances you don't need them a lot of people don't um, but the more you do the work and become aware and being aware of what's going on inside of us and how we feel and how the energies interact 
the more consciously aware we become and the more we become uh, a man or a woman or a person of, of power. Matteo, thank you so much for being part of this, this podcast dance, this fascinating dive into, you know, we started off on the generic term of relationships. We've kind of had a little bit of a flirt with various angles of love. And um, yeah, you make your own mind up, listeners, what, you know, what this, for me personally, this fascinating conversation has, uh, has meant to you, what kind of relationship thoughts it's provoked within you. And uh, Matteo, immense gratitude to you, sir. You too, Paul. Thank you for having me. Thank you for indulging me. And thank you for the intelligent, genius conversation from you. And on that note, listeners, all that remains is for me to sign off the way I always do by saying, remember the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world is changing. How will you respond?